Are the NBA champions really quote unquote world champions? We'll dive into that. Plus, Brandon Ingram struggling with Team USA. Why? And we'll talk about some players that are having FIBA breakouts in the World Cup. All that and more on Locked On NBA. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On NBA, your source for all things NBA from the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for joining us, making us your first listen. We appreciate you guys joining us on whatever platform that you've chosen, whether you're on Apple Podcasts, make sure to leave us those five-star reviews, Spotify, Pocket Cast, or if you're joining us on YouTube, we can catch a live version of the show here with me, Matt Moore, and David Ramil. Every Monday, we'll be on Monday nights, starting when the season of the NBA ramps up it's just around the corner david we are uh less than a month away from the start of training camp my man yeah i know media day there are 30 champions waiting to take the crown are they world champions we'll talk about that later on today's show dynamite tease dynamite <laughs> setup david uh we'll talk about today brandon ingram had some comments about the struggles that he's been having had another another rough go of it today in world cup action we'll talk a little bit about why plus later on some stars that have had fiba breakouts who is it that is kind of paving the way for having big seasons based off of their performance in the fiba world cup but we start today with comments from track star noah lyles who at the podium said quote I have to watch the NBA Finals, and they have a world champion on their heads. World champion of what? The United States? Don't get me wrong. I love the U.S. at times, but that ain't the world. We are the world. We have almost every country out here fighting and thriving and putting on flag to show that they are represented. There ain't no flags in the NBA. This is a common complaint amongst certain folks. I was describing it as... If you tend to buck a little bit at some of the more nationalist tendencies that some of our fellow citizens share, and if you're somebody who tends to look at things through a very precise and analytical framework, this whole thing is is going to irk you some because technically they're not world champions. Each country is not represented. So in order to be the best in the world, you have to face the best in the world from all of them. The counter argument would obviously be that this is the highest level of competition possible. And so there's a reason that so many international stars come to the NBA to try and compete. Most recently, the reigning finals MVP and NBA champion is a Serbian athlete. He is not an American athlete. Uh, but all the teams, of course, are from the United States. It is technically, I understand from a semantic argument, not the world champions. I understand that viewpoint. There's a lot to kind of get into to here about like, the framework of international competition. But David, what are your thoughts on Noah Lyle's comments that the NBA should not refer to themselves as world <laughs> champions when they win the finals? I agree with the sentiment of it. I didn't like the delivery. I thought he was being a little, I don't know, uh, antagonistic a little bit. Uh, you know, it just seemed like he was attacking the league and. Uh, the players themselves. And I, I think the players responded in kind. You know, you saw a lot of tweets, a lot of interaction on social media from Kevin Durant to Bam and Abayo, everybody chiming in on Noah's comments there. And I, I feel like, you know, there wasn't enough room there. There was no leeway for an open, nuanced discussion or anything like that. But I, again, agree with that 100%. I've taken 
the term world champion out of my writing in half for years. I refer to NBA champions, champions, and not the world part, because it is important to remember that the, the, the game is growing and that more and more players reflect the international flavor of basketball as such. And I think there's so much, you know, there's so many more players. Like you're, you're looking at the league MVP, Joel Embiid, you know, he's a, a, African. You're looking at, you, you mentioned Jovic. There are more and more players, Giannis Antetokounmpo, et cetera. Like the, the game has expanded globally. Uh, I think this is a sign of uh, anachronistic beliefs from the NBA from many, many years ago in calling themselves world champion when basketball wasn't as developed or widespread around the world, and they just got used to calling it world champions. But even the league has evolved in some res- response, uh, you know, in some regards, and and calling themselves more global or this is a global initiative rather than a world initiative. They just change the language around. And I'm not sure why they haven't changed in kind when it comes to, to the, the NBA championship. So I, I think I, I, I understand why some American players balked at that. You know, they were like, Oh, they, they were offended by the statement, but times changed. They should have been a little bit more open-minded and they should understand that it's, they're not global champions. They're not world champions. They're, they're NBA champions. And they look at, I mean, Toronto, were they are the best champions when they, when they won in 2019? Were they the best United States champion? Clearly not. So even though a lot of their players were from the United States, some of them were not. You know, Pascal Siakam, for example. So uh, it's it's you know times change, and I think we have to change with it. I think you're actually talking out two sides of your mouth here. I would actually argue that not calling the NBA champions world champions is nationalistic. It's assuming that somehow you have to include all the best players from Serbia, otherwise or. Cameroon or Italy or Russia in order for it not to be a global game. The best players in the world go to the NBA because it's the highest level of competition and it's the, the best compensated. That's the real reason. But like, it's also the highest level of competition and not all players make it in part. But I will say like one thing that's important to distinguish here, and this is a, a difficulty. I have often said this, that the NBA has evolved to a point where the NBA is such a specific brand of basketball. It's almost its own sport. And it's one of the reasons why you do see, as we'll talk about later, some players really struggle in FIBA because they're accustomed to playing NBA basketball and they haven't trained themselves in such a way to compete in the style of play of international basketball. However, I'll also say this. If all 30 teams in the NBA train themselves to adapt to FIBA rules or to international basketball rules to whatever it is, the style of play that is required to, they would still be superior because the best players do play here. And we have evidence of that, which is there's no country that's banned from contributing players to the NBA. We've seen players from China. We've seen players from Russia. We've seen players from the Baltic States. We've seen players from Great Britain. We've seen players from France, Germany, from Argentina, it is, in fact, a global league. The best players do play here. And so if, in fact, you want to be world champions, this is where you're going to have to go to do it because this is the highest level of competition. Otherwise, what we're saying is that we're putting too much emphasis on the nationalistic tendencies. We're essentially saying it, it can't be a world championship unless nation states are included. Well, okay, that's a little arbitrary and very complicated on the political level. In essence... Really what the NBA is, is it is a global game. It has endeavored it to be such. And we have proof of that with the last couple of years of what we've seen from international players. The best players play in the NBA and the best players in the league would, would in all likelihood, I feel confident saying, conquer any competition in front of them. And we've seen that consistently throughout international competitions. 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I just find it arrogant of the NBA. But, okay, I agree with you. I agree with you. But here's the problem. I, I don't disagree, right? I don't disagree with the idea of it being being arrogant. It, there is a level of arrogance here. It, does that make it wrong? Yeah, because the NBA is a corporation that just happens to be housed in New York City, and they've you know they put their greedy mitts into everything around the globe. That doesn't necessarily make them global. Cha- I mean, I understand. Again, it's it's a team from a city that is part of 30 teams of one organization business in the NBA. And I don't, the Denver Nuggets are not the best team in the world. They're the best team in the NBA. What team I, I don't know. Them? I don't know. I don't know. And we'll never know because again, you're not going to take, I don't know, Argentina or Spain or Germany or any other team, think- Canada, let's say team Canada, right? I mean, team Canada. I mean, I guess that would, that would take Jamal Murray out of it. I don't know. And maybe you're looking at other, corporate leagues from you know other organizations in spain fc barcelona or somebody like that i don't know i don't i don't even know enough about other teams internationally to say whether or not they could compete against the nba but they don't play an 82 game schedule they don't play here they don't have the same uh you know structure in place that the nba does and i don't know if they could challenge the denver nuggets or not in a seven game series it's all kind of futile but again it just i mean i get what you're saying but let's not lose sight of it. You don't, you don't want to be a jerk. You don't want to be an arrogant jerk. And as such, let's just take it out. Let's just stop calling ourselves world champions. Like, let's let's stop putting it in a, in Boston, the court. Let's stop calling ourselves world champions. Let's start, you know, NBA champions. I, I think it's well, just that I think simple. You, I think you can do that when there's a league that's better. When there's a league that has any sort of level of competition that is even close to being the NBA. Like, some of, the, some of this has, has to kind of be separated from... A very understandable, and I, 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 like your notion of we should not be nationalistic and believing that we are just better just because we're American. I totally agree with you on this. Like, I think that attitude is toxic and corrosive. At the same time, we have ample evidence. Like, the absence of, of the ability to know the answer does not preclude us from making deductive reasonings to be like, yeah, probably. If you got the best players from all of the countries in the world, or from any country in the world, rather, not all, any, of any country in the world, and they played the Denver Nuggets, the Nuggets are probably going to smoke them. That doesn't take, like, a great leap here. Like, FC Barcelona would be a very good team. They would probably also get destroyed. And we've seen that, again, consistently throughout. And again, I would just say that this is, like, Jokic's presence, Embiid's presence, Hakeem Olajuwon, uh, Patrick Ewing, all all throughout, like that Ewing was U.S. But like, uh, what I mean by that more is uh, it was Jamaican, I believe. Um, but all of these players are proof then that this is an international league, and the players that are unable to succeed from Europe that are great players, I don't even necessarily think it's about how good they are. I think it's that they don't, they can't play NBA basketball, and it's its own yeah. sport, and that does make it difficult. That doesn't make it better. I've constantly said this. I don't think NBA basketball is better than international basketball. I like international basketball and better in a lot of ways, but it's different. It's very specific. But if we were to equalize everything, I still believe the best competition plays in the United States, but it's a, that's, no, that's fair. I, I just, I, look, I mean, you have to consider the worldview. Like 
nope, nope. I think you're, you've got hundreds of other countries that are kind of tired of the United States establishing themselves as a big brother all the time and, and policing the world. That's not that's not our nature when we can't police ourselves as a country, as a people, you know, that composed of many, many, many other countries and, and, and citizens of all over the world that happen to reside in the United States. And as such, we can't we can't just go around doing that. Like, it, it's just look, man, I, I, I totally get what you're saying. I understand the 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 perspective. Uh, it's, it's so simple. I get just it. Stop referring I, yeah. to it. I get it. Know? Just stop referring to it. But I will say this: the players apparently care. Yeah, I like know. there's something to be we, said for for the you. American players all care. Like we didn't get the perspective from Giannis. I'm sure. I'm sure if he tweets as often as KD does. You would know about this, like maybe he'd have a different perspective, you know. And Nikola Jokic, he doesn't care. He's too busy watching his horses race. He does. He's like, you know what? Have your little petty arguments. I know what where, where I stand. I don't know. It's just it's now I understand why you don't think contracts matter. They're not competing for a world championship anyway, so that makes <laughs> sense. On the other side, Brandon Ingram is among those players that's not have, dominating the international scene. We'll get into his comments and ask the question of what's up with Brandon Ingram for team USA. We'll do that on the other side on locked on nugget with NBA. First thing I tell you about FanDuel Sportsbook. Get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. I've already signed up for NFL Sunday ticket. I'm so excited. Got three TVs in the basement. They're all going to have NFL on for those first weekends. Now's the best time to join FanDuel. The app's easy to use, and you can be on everything from spreads to player props and more. Visit FanDuel.com slash on and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. We'll be right back on Locked On NBA. Back here on Locked On NBA. Thanks for joining us on a Tuesday. Matt Moore alongside David Ramil. You can catch David over at Locked On Heat. Make sure to follow and subscribe. Locked On Heat. Great coverage of everything as they hopefully head towards a resolution um, of the Damian Lillard saga. Uh, sometime you and I are going to have to talk about the fact that a lot of Heat fans are like, I think we're fine if we don't get Dame. You lost two starters. You're not fine. The other person. No, no I won't balk at that 100%, Matt. I cannot believe that you're bringing up Gabe Vincent and Max Struess as the reason why Miami might take a step back. Like, I, starters. I, they started because Tyler Hero broke his hand in the first game against the Milwaukee Bucks. This is not the same thing. It's yeah. Max Struess we're talking about. The Boston Celtics waved him. The Boston Celtics waved him three years ago. Gabe Vincent, you know. I love Gabe. I love talking to him. Gabe, shout out. Good luck to you in LA. I, I think it was a bad choice on your part, but good luck. You know, I, I also think it's ridiculous. That's Lakers cool. fans buying into it. We haven't yet to see the Heat player that was developed in Miami succeed at any of the other 29 teams. So whatever. We'll, we'll, we'll cross that bridge 41 games down the road here. That Tyler Hero injury is the only reason you made the finals. Uh, another player. <laughs> another player. That is having a hard time making an Former impact. Former Laker, great. Brandon Ingram. Brandon Ingram. Uh, <laughs> Ingram has had a rough go of it during FIBA play. Just does not look comfortable. There's been a lot of commentary 
um, about how the team looks better when he's not on the floor and certain other players, including Austin Reeves and Tyrese Halliburton are on the floor. Uh, Halliburton did tell the athletics, Joe Varden this week, quote, this is totally different than what I'm used to. The team is winning right now, so I can't be selfish thinking about myself, but it's a little frustrating right now for me, and I'm just trying to figure out ways I can be effective. Uh, later on in the story, he says, usually when I play the right way, the basketball gods give me everything I need, Ingram said, but also know the international play is different from the NBA. Uh, quote, I know who I am. Quote, in ways I can get stuck and think my way is the best way. This is a learning experience. I get to see everybody work, get to see everybody's strengths and everybody's weaknesses so I can take it back to my team and be smart about it. Um, so I think this is tricky because it's an opportunity for me to criticize a player whose game I don't necessarily, I'm not necessarily very high on. I also just in the previous segment literally just said that it's a different sport and this is a lot of it, right. Is I think Brandon Ingram is a hooper. And I think that team USA needs a bunch of basketball players Mm -hmm. and that's, what's been successful. That's how you win is a set is essentially hoopers become basketball players for team USA. And then they go back to being hoopers in the NBA and they make a lot of money, but they don't necessarily win. And this has kind of been the history of Brandon Ingram. Ingram is beloved. This is one of the most fascinating things to me. Ingram is beloved by teammates. All of those guys in that locker room look up to him. His coaches adore him. Willie Green and that staff love Brandon Ingram. This is baffling to me. It's not that like Brandon Ingram's a bad dude. He's absolutely not. Like everything has been totally fine on that front. But like Brandon Ingram plays a very isocentric, heliocentric, ball in my hands going to shoot a lot of mid-range jumpers style of basketball. Like effectively, one of the things that, that you'll notice in international competition is if you like the guys that thrive are guys that know how to make other players better. And if not, you've got to be Carmelo Anthony, who was basically like, I'm playing with Kobe, LeBron and Wade. So yeah, I'll take spot up threes in the corner. And it was the most successful he ever was in his career. But this is like largely part of the equation here. He's just um, like taking shots at everybody, Tyler. Yeah, everybody. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I might, what are your well, thoughts on, on Ingram's comments and the struggles that he's had for Team USA? I mean, I could always look back to uh, another famous basketball player who didn't play well in FIBA regulation basketball. That's Tim Duncan. Like, he hated mm, those rules. Yeah. So, I, I mean, and he's often seen as the exact antithesis of Brandon's you know, one for all kind of style. Uh, he was very much, you know, sharing the ball and playing in Pop's perfect system and, and being part of that organization and that system, et cetera. And, and his struggles were pretty well documented. So uh, I, I I think that's part of it. And I think we can't separate that aspect of it, that FIBA basketball is different than the NBA. But I think it also mag- magnifies the weaknesses in Ingram's game that he is very good with the ball in his hands, when he's creating those opportunities, as you said, a, a, a hooper, a guy who could just put up buckets and, and score at will on almost anybody in the NBA when in those ISO situations. But that's not necessarily effective basketball, especially not when you're trying to share the ball and you have to compete against the the speedier system, the speedier style of play of FIBA rules basketball. Um, and it just it just shows the weaknesses in his game, which is probably the things that you don't like. And I'm not a big fan of either. You know, the way he takes those shots, the the the, the way he just doesn't know what to do without the ball in his hand. He's just not particularly effective. He's not a great defender. He's too slight, uh, often out of position. He looks, despite the fact that he's a, a multi-year veteran at this point, 
you'd think he'd be a little bit more aware of his role and how he can evolve. And to your point, like Carmelo Anthony, a guy who was very much like Ingram in the NBA, he could go and play in the Olympics and be perfect in that system. So maybe it's just a matter of him kind of evolving. And I liken that Joe Varden piece, you know, that other teammates and coaches, Steve Kerr, et cetera, all kind of saying, you know what, we're just going to get in his ear. We're going to stay in his ear. We're going to constantly talk him up. Maybe he's going to have a big, a bad game, but eventually he could have a big game. And so we just need him to know that he's capable of those positive moments. I don't know. Uh, where do you have him on your top 100 list? I know we didn't necessarily want to go there, but where is Ingram in your top 100 list? Do you remember off the top of your head? I'm looking it up right now. I have it right okay. Here. No, uh, I, I, just, I have him 39th. Uh, so he's he's in, a, he's in a range with Chris Middleton, uh, Zach Levine, Desmond Baines ahead of him. Uh, Fred Van Vliet and Cam Johnson are behind him, as well as I have Zion 40 because of Zion's okay. lack of availability. Um, I tried to give him the benefit of the doubt in a lot of ways. And also yeah. just, you know, I should be note, like the way I kind of portray him is he's a black hole gunner. And like he averaged six assists last year. So yeah. a lot of it is, I think you can create opportunities for others off of your scoring, which is one of the things that he's done. Um, we see this with a lot of players where they are definitely score first, but they do generate a fair number of assists because of the attention that they draw. But there's a difference between that. We've, we've talked about this on the show before of being able to control the floor, the game and manipulate the defense. Like Brandon Ingram is not going to manipulate the defense. He's going to try and score and then make a read and he's willing to make that read and he deserves credit for that. But you can tell that he's kind of sacrificing, um, you know, Kerr made, made mention of it in the story. He's quoted as saying, um, I feel like he's finding his way into the FIBA game, Kerr said. I mean, it's a different game for sure. In FIBA, the defense is rewarded. In the NBA, the offense is rewarded. FIBA is much more physical. I think he's having to try to find his spots on the floor, and I think that'll come. And like I said, all these guys are going to break through. From one game to the next, it's going to be somebody different. I have no doubt that it'll happen with BI. did not happen in today's game either. Um, I would kind of say that also tracks when we look back at the great – Team USA teams, because whether it's going back to the dream team, which faced far inferior competition today, um, yeah. or if we're talking about the, you know, the redeem team, all these different sure. squads, a lot of those squads did start with defense. Like it was chaos like, and they were all willing to sacrifice. This I think is one of the struggles that I think you have. And I'll say this too. It's one of the reasons why this team USA may be a little bit underrated because a lot of the guys that they have on roster on sort of BI are willing to make those sacrifices and play defense. Like they're willing to commit to those things. Um, whatever it is like Tyrese Halliburton doesn't feel the need to put up 20 points in a game. He's more than happy to run the offense and make sure that they're playing winning basketball. One, and we'll talk about this in the next segment, but one of the reasons I think Anthony Edwards is exceeding in this role is in part because of his willingness to be physical. He's willing to contribute that physicality and Ingram seems to be struggling a little bit with this. I will say this, maybe this is the thing that Ingram needs to take his game to the next level. Like a lot of guys come back from Team USA changed. That's usually because they see how the best players in the world work and they don't yeah. have any of those guys this year. But That doesn't, that doesn't yeah. seem like the case, right? Like he's maybe in his head this, right now. Maybe this is instructive though for him, for him to learn like, oh, like if I want to win, if I want to win, I need to be willing to sacrifice a little bit. I, I love that line of thinking. I just don't see it in this case. I think he's in his head. I think it, it's going to like make him not necessarily insecure about the holes in his game, but I think he's not going to necessarily respond 
to what this has shown us about, you know, that somebody's holding a mirror to his game and he doesn't like the reflection. And I don't know that he has, and he has not up to this point shown the willingness to change the way he plays and, and, and kind of evolve into the role he's, he's he needs to play in this situation. So we wonder whether or not that's going to translate, but he could just come back like Stefan Murray, Marbury and Allen Iverson before him. and could just say, you know what? That game sucked. Screw that. I'm just going to play my style of basketball and then be a worse off player as a result. Maybe I'll say this though. I had, um, I was pretty low on him coming out of the Lakers. I thought he was wildly overrated. And one of the things that he really worked on, especially in his second year with the Pelicans was mm-hmm. one of his big problems is he was an efficient three point shooter, but he didn't take right. it. And he actually adapted. So I, I and I definitely think that Maybe. he's coachable. So I, I do kind of wonder if now that goes away as you get older and make more money. That's right. This NBA tale as old as time. But I'll hold out hope that maybe Ingram can can learn from this experience and find ways to play. Be more. Not, doesn't have to be. Can still be a hooper. A little bit. Sure. A little bit more of a basketball player in there as well. On the other side, we'll talk about some guys who are not struggling for Team USA as well as in the rest of the very good, very great international competition uh, over in FIBA. We'll talk about some FIBA breakouts on the other side when we return on Locked On NBA. <music> Back here on Locked On NBA. Thanks for joining us and making us part of your day. Appreciate you guys being with us. David, Ramil, and Matt Moore with you on a Tuesday. Glad to have you with us. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about some FIBA breakouts as the competition continues for Team USA and the rest of the world in these competitions. Um, I was going to ask you kind of as like a starting point, who do you mm-hmm. feel like, what are some players that you have really caught your eye during this FIBA World Cup? You're going to think I'm crazy, but Nikola Jovic has been really, really good. Uh, I mean, anyway, whatever. He had a monster first quarter. I don't want to hype him up too much, but I think I think we're starting to see. I think Heat fans jokingly saying after Jovic had a strong first quarter that, that today's deal with Portland would get done by noon. It's past noon and it has not been finalized just yet. Although it might be – it's actually just past one uh, in Portland time. So maybe there's still time for Joe Cronin to get it done. No, so it, it, there are players like that. Rondé Hollis Jefferson, like, I don't know. I I'm, I, I suggested this segment. And, and, and in the context of what, everything that we've talked about in the first two segments, like how much does it matter that we're seeing like Austin Reeves smoke people from Greece – you know, when when it's FIBA level basketball and when I mean, I don't think anybody would say that that Austin Reeves is a better basketball player than Brandon Ingram. And yet he's been a much better basketball player over the last couple of weeks than Brandon Ingram. So I know it's about styles of play and everything else. But like at some point, like how do you remove the context of FIBA level basketball and rating these players that are breaking out? That's an interesting question, I think. It's, I think you can build momentum coming off of a strong international competition with the Olympics with FIBA. Uh, we yeah. saw that last year with Laurie Markkinen. And yeah. I think we'll continue to probably see that um, with a lot of these guys that they'll be able to carry over. Like, I'm kind of expecting this to be um, the time for Anthony Edwards. Like, I think Anthony yes. Edwards is going to translate this run with Team USA and take that confidence and experience. And now it's like he's more ready to be the guy this yep. year than he ever has been. He's always been ready. He's been a great playoff player. He's uh, deferred. In, in the run. Yeah. And so, yeah. Um, you know, I, look, I, I do think that Jovic 
it's not that I I I don't I, I was joking. I was joking. I was joking. I don't want to spend a second. I, no, I don't. I don't discard it. Like I think it. I think it really does. I think it really does matter. Um, I would counter that now. The response will be from Heat fans. We can't include him in the deal. He's he's out. No, no he's out. Like yeah. that's just, he, that's too much. That's him. swinging too much of Portland's favor. Tyler Hero is too valuable, and Caleb Martin, and really they need Kyle Lowry. So it's just maybe Duncan Robinson in the protected second round pick. Right. Did you see Duncan's finals? Come on, he he, sw- he switched momentum in game two. They would have won that without Duncan. Uh, uh, yeah, I think I like the point about Anthony Edwards, and I, he's certainly on the list of players that I think has stood out. Like he's just he has shown superstar level attributes. Like give him the ball, let him go to work. Maybe not Kobe esque, right? Which you know, for better or worse, uh, can be a, a positive or a negative thing. But I think he's he's learn how to take over moments of the game and impact. And that's always been my definition of a superstar is if you could just change the momentum of a game, whether it's offensively or defensively or a combination of both. Ideally, I think that's kind of what we've seen from Edwards. I like Austin Reeves performance. I think he's been really, really good. And and I, I think it gives, you know, over the last week, we've seen a lot of people saying, what, what, why didn't San Antonio offer that full bag? Why didn't other teams that had that money available pitch it towards Reeves and and maybe we're just starting to see the evolution of a player in real time. And that's why it didn't happen necessarily, but I think he's been very, very good. Uh, I, I think Franz Wagner, Wagner, I should say in Germany. I mean, we've talked about him before on the show. He's, he's just, I know he's hurt, uh, but he's, he's been really, really good in these moments too. Uh, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Rondé Hollis Jefferson. Can we talk about future NBA superstar Rondé Hollis Jefferson? Like what's going on there? That's, I think this is the, the, the case for like, uh, you know, it doesn't really matter all that much what we're seeing now because, you know, Rondé, better or for worse, he can't really play at the NBA level, but here he is being a superstar uh, internationally. So, uh, so the, the okay. numbers for, for RHJ, 31 and a half points per game, yeah. nine boards, three and a half assists. He's playing 38 and a half minutes per game. So just like, ridiculous usage but i will say like he's averaging 31 and a half on on 17 and a half shots per game so like 54 percent from the field he's only taking three and a half threes per game only shooting 29 percent there um so a lot of it's just like he, he's jordan's guy so that's and, and power to him and a lot of that's just kind of the same way with, with the dominican republic and what we're seeing from carl anthony towns he's averaging yeah. uh, by the way 25 on 15 shots like he's been really dominant and has, has really been i will say that a lot of the reviews and i haven't watched those games um yet but a lot of the the commentary i've seen about towns has been like he's playing in a more impactful way than sometimes he does in the nba which would be again really great to see like maybe he's having the anti brandon ingram kind of run mm. Uh, yeah. Where he's got and he's got a little bit more room to spread his wings on uh, on the Dominican Republic team, team rather than a Team USA. Uh, I do love that Jordan Clarkson is just balling, hooping yeah. for the Philippines. I love that. That's just a great story. Um, Marketing continues to to play great. Just, he's averaging twenty three per game so far in, in World Cup games. Um, Shea, I think, is probably the other name that. Oh. That and I like, I don't know. Do we like I've talked about him enough? I, I can't go through an NBA conversation without talking about Shea Gilders Alexander. But you put it I, out that he's an, an MVP candidate, like you're getting that started now in August. I've bet him, David. Oh. I've already bet him to win MVP. Oh, he was my God. fifth on the ballot last year. He finished fifth. He's technically on the ballot for MVP. He can do it. I believe. Yeah. Him. I guess. I mean, what, what's the uh, baseline for what Oklahoma City has to do in order for Shea to be an MVP candidate? I guess it was last year, right? 
Yeah, he's got to get out. You have to get, you have to get out of the play-in tournament. You got to be a top six seed. Um, I, like a lot of this is a, it's been on the other candidates, right? It's like mm. Shea doesn't win in a neutral. Like Shea doesn't win if Luca and the Mavs win fifty plus games. If the Mavericks win fifty plus games, Luca's probably going to win MVP. Like that, flat out. That's yeah. And so like it's all these other guys don't make it, and then Shea is like the last guy where it's like, look, man. In, in, incredible production, incredible efficiency, and he's a monster defender, and he's scary as hell to play against. So I, it's a it's a long shot for a reason, but I I I am I do like seeing he is a guy though that there was this buzz about him two years ago. Last year it started to be like major buzz about Shea. You're seeing it now in t- for Team Canada, people being like, "Holy crap, Shea Gillis Alexander," and that's going to carry through. Like we're seeing basically a three year run of Shea moving into superstar status. I think. Yeah. Former Clippers legend. I always have to remind myself that he started his career in Los Angeles. It's, it's kind of hard to believe. He, he's a great player, a lot of fun to watch. You know, on the USA side, though, I, I think we're like Bancaro has been really, really impressive, like leading that second unit that has been USA's strength. Uh, he's just been really good. He's adapted. He's played really good defense. He's such a gifted scorer. He's so young, too. Like the potential of there. Like I, he's going to be, I could see him challenging for an all star nut. And I think that's the kind of breakout that he's capable of. So I, I, I like that. Anybody else that really kind of has popped out so far? I can't say Luca. I will just say that if you have not go, go look up, I'm just going to say, go, go YouTube Luca's FIBA highlights for the passes because they're, they're sick. They're they're just absolute. Like he gets to do absolutely absurd stuff that he doesn't necessarily do all the time um, in the NBA. So like, I think it's, it's worth at least kind of noticing. Um, I mean, I think Hallie is, I think Hal Burton is kind yes. of showing himself for Team USA as well. He's the other he's, guy, like him. Reeves, he's going to be a niche guy, though. I think like that's the kind of guy that I could see, like, you know, kind of like the uh, your NBA snob is like, oh, Tyrese Halliburton's magnificent, magnificent passing. Like, that's the kind of thing that's like a really a high level yeah. sign of your love of basketball. I, I just don't see, I, it's good that. I think Americans or, or people around the world, as we're having this conversation, I think I get to appreciate the kind of player he's because he's been really good for a long time. And I think just because Indiana has it, nobody was really, really aware. And before that, of course, in Sacramento, nobody was watching those games. So I, I think now you get an opportunity to see a really good player continue to evolve. I did catch Lebanon the other day, and I really liked how Amari Spellman looked. That's a, a lesser-known name that I actually was pretty high on. Um, I thought wow. Simone Fontecchio's played well for Italy. Yeah, these are deep cuts. These are deep cuts. Um, <laughs> but I'm told that I'm told that we have to like consider how important these are because of otherwise because of otherwise we can't call the NBA world champions. That's wow. You guys. Nice. <laughs> but uh yeah I think it, I will say this though uh team USA is actually I think I am more bullish on them oh. than I was early on because that second like, unit yeah, because it's it's kind of one of the things I think we're, that I'm kind of seeing is what we kind of talked about in the first segment to bring it home, or the second segment to bring it home, rather, is uh, they got a lot of basketball players. They got guys that I think do know how to how to impact winning, and that I think is is we're seeing that in how they have not been as vulnerable as we thought they would based off the lack of top end star talent, which I think is a good sign. Are they going to bench Bi? That I don't know. A lot of politics go into those decisions, and those are things that happen at a very high level that have a lot to do with, uh, well, not not basketball. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> uh, I'll ask you: Should they bench Bi? No, 
I don't think so. I think you're right now. It's not going to make that much of a difference when your second unit has been as good as it has been and can play at a different pace and just give you a completely different look. You can withstand those minutes, and it sucks to even be talking about it. It's like, oh, you got to just kind of survive Brandon Ingram moments. I, I think, I think he'll figure it out at some point. And I think I do believe what the other players and coaches are saying about him that he's going to have his big moment. It just hasn't happened yet. That's going to do it for Locked On NBA. Thanks for joining us. You can catch David over at Locked On Heat. You can follow him on Twitter at DRamil13. Appreciate you guys being with us. We'll be back next week. Tomorrow, you can catch Jake Madison and John Corrales on Thursdays. You've got Nick Angstat and Pat the Designer. And on Fridays, Wes Goldberg and Adam Mares. Keep it here all throughout the week. Coverage of both Team USA, FIBA World Cup. Off-season runs are starting. It's almost muscle watch season. Lots to catch up mm-hmm. on. We thank you for joining us here on Locked on NBA.